Book 4, Chapter 6 of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J.L. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick McClear. Book 4, Chapter 6. Civil and Moral Laws. Exodus 21-23. through Deuteronomy 19-24. through Hitherto we have been concerned with those portions of the Mosaic Law which instructed the Israelite in his duty towards God, and the mode in which he was to be worshipped. We will now turn to the chief of those which instructed him in his duty as, one, a member of a family, and two, of a nation. 1. The family relations include, 1. The mutual duties of parents and children, 2. Of husband and wife, 3. Of master and servant. 1. The duties of parents and children. Reverence for parents is enjoined in the Decalogue as the first duty next after those appertaining to God himself. Honor thy father and mother is the first and the only commandment to which a promise of long life and continuance in the promised land is definitely attached. Exodus 20 verse 12 and Ephesians 6 verse 2. And to smite or revile father or mother is made a capital offense. Exodus 21, verses 15 and 17, Leviticus 19, verses 3, and Leviticus 20, verse 9. In the patriarchal times, as we have already seen, the authority of the father over his children was very great. His blessing conferred special benefits, his curse special injury. Genesis 9, verses 25 and 27, Genesis 27, verses 27 through 40, Genesis 48, verses 15 and 20, and Genesis 49. His authority was of great moment, not only in the marriage of sons, Genesis 24, verse 3, but of daughters, though in the latter case the consent of the brothers, or at least of the elder brother, was deemed important, Genesis 24, verse 50 and 51, and Genesis 34, verse 11. But the Mosaic law did not invest the father with the same boundless power as the Greek or Roman law. He could not inflict death irresponsibly. The incorrigible son, whom he could not restrain from flagrant crimes, he might bring before the elders of the city, who, having obtained the concurrence of both parents, might sentence him to be stoned to death. But in the execution of the judgment, the whole congregation were required to take part, in order to promote a more general abhorrence of the sin. Deuteronomy 21, verses 18-21 through 21. The father could not disinherit his sons. To the firstborn he must give two portions, and equal shares to the rest. But in case of extreme indigence, he might sell his children, especially his daughters, into servitude, or surrender them to creditors as a pledge. Exodus 21, verse 7. 2. The Relations of Husband and Wife The institution of marriage was jealously guarded by the Mosaic Law. Adultery ranked next to murder and the punishment for both parties was death by stoning, Leviticus 18, verse 20, Leviticus 20, verse 10, and Deuteronomy 22, verse 22. In deference to the universal custom of Oriental nations and the example of the patriarchs, polygamy was allowed, though by no means encouraged, and though frequently practiced by the kings of Israel, was rare in private life, 1 Samuel 1, verse 2. The right of divorce was conceded, Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4, on account of the hardness of the hearts of the people, Matthew 19, verse 8. But a woman, once divorced and marrying again, might not return to her first husband, either on the death of or when put away by the second. 
The Mosaic Law sanctioned a custom of the patriarchal age, Genesis 38, verse 8, which made it necessary that, if a man died childless, his wife should be taken in marriage by his surviving brother. And it was further ordained that the firstborn son by such a marriage should succeed in the name of his brother, that it be not put out in Israel, Deuteronomy 25, verse 5, etc. The rigor, however, of the old custom was relaxed. If the brother had children of his own alive, he was exempt. And if he declared in open court his unwillingness to enter into the marriage, the duty devolved on the next relation of the deceased husband. See Ruth 4, verses 5-11. through 11. 3. The Relation of Master and Servant Slavery existed amongst the Israelites as amongst all other Eastern nations. Slaves could be acquired in four ways. 1. They might be taken in war. Numbers 31, verse 11 and 35, Deuteronomy 20, verse 14. 2. They might be purchased of parents or former owners or merchants in times of peace. Genesis 17, verse 23, Leviticus 25, verses 44 and 45. 3. They might have sold themselves in satisfaction for a debt. Leviticus 25, verses 39 through 43, and 2 Kings 4, verse 1. 4. They might be the children of slaves born in their master's house. But while slavery was thus recognized as an institution, it was the aim of the Mosaic Law to mitigate its evils as much as possible. Thus, not only does it open with a number of precepts relating to slaves, Exodus 21 verses 2 through 6, but it ever pronounced them to be equal before God as regarded their spiritual relation, and freely admitted them to all religious privileges, circumcision, Genesis 17 verses 10 through 14, and Exodus 12 verse 44, the rest of the Sabbath, Exodus 20, verse 10, the festivals, Exodus 12, verse 44, and gave them an interest in all the sacrifices offered by the family, Deuteronomy 16, verses 11 and 14. In regard, again, to civil rights, the Hebrew slave was never looked upon as a mere thing or chattel. A master could not chastise a slave to death without being punished, Exodus 21, verses 20 and 21, and if he inflicted bodily mutilation, the slave, whether male or female, might claim to be free, Exodus 21, verses 26 and 27. In the seventh year of his service, the Hebrew slave might take up his freedom, leaving, however, his wife given him by his master during service and her children, Exodus 21, verses 3 and 4. If he declined to avail himself of this privilege, his master might take him before the elders, bore his ear with an awl to the door, and then he was his servant forever, i.e. till the year of Jubilee. Exodus 21 verses 5 and 6, Deuteronomy 15 verses 16 and 17. Moreover, as the Israelites, when delivered from Egyptian bondage, had not gone forth empty, so the Hebrew bond slave at his release which took effect in the Jubilee year, even though he had not served his full time, was to be furnished liberally out of the flock, the floor, and the winepress. Deuteronomy 15, verses 13 and 14. Besides bond slaves, we also find hired servants amongst the Hebrews. They were to be treated kindly and their wages duly paid. Leviticus 19, verse 13 and Deuteronomy 24, verses 14 and 15. Strangers also within the gates, whether runaway slaves or exiles from their own land, who would naturally be an extreme want, were to be treated with great kindness, for the Israelite himself was a stranger in the land of Egypt, Exodus 22, verse 21, and Exodus 23, verse 9. Together with the poor generally, whether Hebrews or heathens, they were to have the free enjoyment of the gleaning of the field and the garden, Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10, 23, verse 22, 
Deuteronomy 24, verses 19 through 21. Of the spontaneous produce of the sabbatical year, Leviticus 25, verses 5 and 6. Of the sacrificial and tithe feasts, Deuteronomy 14, verses 28 and 29. And their share at joyous family festivals, such as marriages, circumcision, and the weaning of children. 2. The laws affecting the Israelite in his civil capacity may be arranged in three groups, according as they regarded the sanctity of one, life, two, character, and three, property. 1. Life. The laws protecting the life and person include those against a. Premeditated murder and b. Unintentional manslaughter. a. Premeditated murder. The willful shedder of man's blood met with no compassion from the Mosaic Code. The original law at Sinai, Exodus 21, verses 12 through 14, and the subsequent repetition of it, Deuteronomy 19, verses 11 through 13, made death the inevitable penalty of murder, even as it had been in the days of Noah, Genesis 9, verse 6. The murderer was regarded as accursed. For him, the horns of the altar were to be no refuge. He was to be dragged from them by force to suffer his doom. Nor could rank or wealth exempt him from it, for it was expressly provided that on no pretext whatever should any ransom be taken. Numbers 35, verses 31 and 32. Nor was his person only regarded as accursed, but so long as he remained undiscovered, even the land was looked upon as polluted. If no efforts could detect the murderer, the elders of the nearest town were to take a heifer and bring it down to a rough valley, neither eared nor sown, and there strike off its head. They were then to wash their hands over it, and in the presence of the Levites pronounce the following words, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. Be merciful, O Lord, unto thy people, whom thou hast redeemed, and lay not innocent blood to thy people of Israel's charge. Thus atonement was to be made. Deuteronomy 21, verses 1 through 9. B. Unintentional homicide. Prior to the Mosaic Age, the duty of avenging blood devolved upon the next of kin, who was called the Goel, or Avenger, and, together with his office, inherited the property of the deceased. Sometimes a whole family took upon them this duty. 2 Samuel 14, verse 7. Amongst the other nations, as the Arab tribes of the present day, any bloodshed whatever, whether willful or accidental, laid the homicide open to the duteous revenge of the relatives and family of the slain person, who, again, in their turn, were then similarly watched and hunted by the opposite party until a family war of extermination had legally settled itself from generation to generation without the least prospect of a peaceful termination. It was the aim of the Mosaic Law, without abolishing this long-established custom, to mitigate its evils as far as possible. Accordingly, it was directed that, on the arrival of the people in the Promised Land, six cities of refuge should be set apart, to which the homicide might fly, if not overtaken by the Avenger. Of these, three were to be on either side of the Jordan, almost equally remote from each other, and the roads leading to them were to be kept in a state of perfect repair. Exodus 21, verse 13, Numbers 35, verse 11, and Deuteronomy 19, verse 3. They were to be chosen out of the priestly and Levitical cities as likely to be inhabited by the more intelligent portion of the community. On reaching one of them, the case of the homicide was to be examined by the elders. If they pronounced him guilty, he was to be delivered up to the avenger. If innocent, an abode was to be provided him in the city, where he was to remain till the death of the high priest. 
but if found at any time by the Avenger beyond the limit of protection, 2,000 cubits, he was liable to be put to death. On the demise of the high priest, he might return to the city of his possession. Numbers 35, verses 25 and 28. 2. The sacredness of a man's character was enforced by the commandment in the Decalogue forbidding false witness, and by laws prohibiting calumny, hatred, partiality, and judgment for rich or poor. Exodus 23, verses 1 through 3, and Leviticus 19, verses 16 through 18. No exact penalty was enforced, but it was enjoined that, in the case of false witnesses, the parties should be brought before the priests and judges, and if, after diligent inquisition, the charge was established, then it should be done unto the slanderer as he had thought to have done unto his brother, so that the evil might be put away. Deuteronomy 19, verses 19 through 21. 3. Property was carefully guarded in the Mosaic Law, which forbade not only stealing, the act, but coveting, the intention. A. Direct theft was punished by restitution. If the stolen goods were found in the hands of the thief, he was to restore twofold. If, before his detection, he had applied them to his own use, he was to restore five oxen for an ox, four sheep for a sheep. Compare Second Samuel 12, verse 16. But a still heavier fine was exacted if he had not only sold, but killed and injured. If unable to pay the fine, he was to be sold into slavery to a Hebrew master and serve him till he could pay. Exodus 22 verses 1 through 4. A night thief might be resisted even to death. Exodus 22 verse 2. Man stealing or kidnapping was a capital offense. Exodus 21 verse 16. The crime of removing a neighbor's landmark was severely reprobated. Deuteronomy 19, verse 14, and Deuteronomy 27, verse 17. B. Indirect injury through carelessness or other causes. This included injury done to property entrusted to another for safe keeping. If it was stolen and the thief detected, he was to repay double. If he could not be found, the trustee, on being declared guilty of negligence by the judges, was to restore twofold. Compensation was also exacted where property was injured through a pit being left open, through cattle straying amongst other cattle or trespassing on another's land, or through fire spreading to standing corn. Exodus 21 verses 33 through 36 and Exodus 22 verses 5 and 6. Straying or suffering beasts, even if the property of an enemy, were to be brought back or relieved. Exodus 23 verses 4 and 5. Land. All land was to be regarded as belonging to God and the holders as his tenants. At the conquest of Palestine, each tribe was to have its allotment and each family its portion. And these were to remain forever inalienable. Numbers 27 verses 1 through 11. Numbers 36. Compare 1 Kings 21 verse 3 and 2 Kings 9 verses 25 and 26. All sold land, therefore, was to return to its original owners at the Jubilee, but might be redeemed by the owner or his representative at any period before then. Leviticus 25, verses 13 through 16, and 23 through 28. Laws of Debt An Israelite who had fallen into debt from any cause might, one, sell himself as a slave to one of his own nation with the right of resuming his freedom after six years and at the Jubilee recovering his inheritance, 2. Claim a timely loan, Deuteronomy 15, verses 1 through 11. But no usury might be taken from an Israelite, Exodus 22, verses 25 through 27, and Deuteronomy 23, verses 19 through 20. Thus, pledges might become frequent, but they might not be cruelly or ruinously exacted. The handmill, a necessity in every family, might not be pledged, Deuteronomy 24, verse 6. 
The cloak must be restored before nightfall when it became essential. Exodus 22, verses 26 and 27, and Deuteronomy 24, verses 12 and 13. The lender was not to go into the house of his debtor to claim his pledge or seize any article he chose. He was to stand abroad, and the pledge was to be brought out to him. Deuteronomy 24, verses 10 and 11. End of Book 4, Chapter 6 End of Book 4